episode four. I mean, I feel like we're getting repetitive at this point. Second watch, loved it more than the first. I also liked I it better like, this time. Did Way you? better. Oh, yeah. I want to know what you thought of what you think, because you came off Sunday's episode. You weren't cold on it, but you were not as hype as I was on it. And I feel like after my second rewatch, different things stood out to me and it felt a little bit less salacious, I guess you can say. And so I was able to kind of watch it for what it was instead of the shock and awe of everything that was happening. Kind of like the, um, like my heart rate wasn't as high. <laughs> like as, yeah. your, gut, your gut reaction, you're able to tame it. The pacing is just so, I mean, watching it for the first time was such a thrill and I loved watching it the second time. Um, that's what I'm not trying to say, but I felt like I was able to see it with fresh eyes after, um, the excitement of, of seeing it for the first time. And so I'm curious because you, like I said, you were not cold, but lukewarm on it, I would say. And so what do you think stood out this time? That same thing benefited me. Watching it with people is, is, is fine. Watching it on a TV is fine. Watching it by yourself is fine. Watching it in a crowded room or at a bar is less immersive. But like I think that immersiveness really uh, helped me feel a lot closer to the stuff that they were doing that was cool in this episode. There's a lot of really subtle stuff and just wearing headphones really allowed me to pick up on a lot of that. And I feel like mm-hmm. maybe maybe it should be less subtle, but maybe that's just a part of the artistic representation of how to provide layers, like how art, like how paintings look better whenever more subtle textural layers are built upon more and more and more over time to get this overall big image and so maybe that's why it's not more obvious like for example when damon walks into the the throne room and he arrives there's people whispering he was just at the steps yes yeah you can't Uh really hear that that if you're in a living room with people unless you have an amazing sound system but i think most of us are using stock tv speakers or the now popular small sound bars and while Mm -hmm. that stuff is good and even if it projects some kind of simulated surround sound i feel like you you need speakers behind your head almost for those whispers. <laughs> it's just in the left channel to really uh, be noticeable. But uh, really just technically a lot about this episode was it just really stuck out to me and helped me appreciate the level of the playing field of doing this kind of TV right now where the polish has gotten to because I've seen it done over the years in other shows. I I think a True Detective season three was the first one that I really noticed where they were doing a uh, auto talking to Viserys sort of dialogue scene where two characters are facing each other and it's doing a, a mirror. I think the scene I'm thinking of in True Detective, they're like standing in a graveyard or something. Mm-hmm. TV got to a certain point with their cinematography where it was just like, here's a perfect way to do it. And here's a perfect way the camera's either, either moving naturally when they filmed it or they were able to simulate it in post. And it feels it feels like this is the, the, the furthest tier that we've gotten with how to shoot people at the highest end of fancy TV. Other fantasy shows that have been made more recently have looked really good. Shows like The Witcher implementing that same sort of real heavy attention to detail in their cinematography. And uh, House of the Dragon just kind of like takes it up another two or three levels. Just the fact that Mm -hmm. Otto Hightower can stand there and be not a famous actor yet. Right. And soak up all of the attention to detail to make it look like a fantasy show and on top of that when they're doing that latest version of what cinematography what framing is able to do 
um, mixed together made it feel less boring than like a true detective or like the end of Game of Thrones did. Like when John and Danny are standing out uh, with uh, Drogon and they're about to kiss. All that looked so perfect. This looked that perfect, but then it had that weird texture that they're using to make that two or three levels past what this normal uh, execution on these shows. And so it's like a really cool vehicle because we're getting prophetic visions and actual fight scenes with dragons now. And it's being done through, or it's being done on that level, but through that kind of stuff. It's just, so Mm -hmm. this episode, that's why I liked it a lot more is because I was seeing how they technically spent so much time pulling off a Gossip Girl episode, basically, of Game of Thrones. <laughs> Is that why I done loved it really, so much? <laughs> done, yeah, done really well. And Matt Smith's acting when he's shouting on the back of Caraxes, that we that sold us on last week's episode. We loved that. Mm-hmm. And then, especially on a second watch, seeing him speaking in High Valyrian to Rhaenyra, but also uh, yeah. just in general, like the scenes with the scene with Viserys was probably my favorite on the rewatch of them two in the throne room. The way he's able to handle these small moments, I feel like he really is projecting this sort of style of reptilian Targaryen person uh, in a way that makes sense because he is cartoonish, especially in the artistic mm-hmm. representations that we've seen from George's story. And we know from the way that the throne alone is actually made in the show, that these Targaryens are kind of crazy figures that would have been from a place like uh, Ovaliria actually looked. And so how do you make them not cheesy? You, you ha- I guess, have to hire the guy who played Doctor Who before. And he ha- <laughs> you have to give him a weird language to talk through because he's selling all those small moments within the Gossip Girl script. Right. So what do you think about it? I, I mean, I totally agree. And I think that it further highlights this theme that we've been talking about for a long time that and that Rainies has been talking about. And they I think they mentioned it in the after the episode. But these guys have nothing to do other than pursue pleasure. And I was thinking a lot about this episode, just pleasure and power dynamics and all that kind of stuff is obviously a huge theme. And so you think about somebody like Damon, who's a little bit theatrical and over the top, his whole entire life is surrounded by getting the things that he wants and having the things that he desires and filling his desires. He's in that sweet spot where he's not the king, but he has the name and the face to basically do whatever he wants and get whatever he wants. And so he's trying to show Rhaenyra that, whether it's through his own desires of like manipulation or whether it's as we kind of talked about on Sunday, him just trying to show her the way it's probably a mixture of both. But I just was struck by um, all of those little things between all of our characters, highlighting the different power dynamics when it comes to desire, because you've got Allison who is clearly pleasureless this whole episode, Damon, who's, has something going on with his inability to move forward with Rhaenyra, whether it's like because he doesn't want to or because he can't or, you know, whatever we can unpack there. Rhaenyra and Kristen and what's going to happen with them was something that one of our questions that we talked about this week. And so I think that these really complex human, complicated relationship things entrenched in that style of, film and that style of conversation made for a really powerful experience. We asked uh, George in our interview with him 
why he chose to wrote, write so much about the Targaryens over the course of A Song of Ice and Fire, why focus on them? I think that like art or like a, a skill or like a craft or really like anything, even something as simple as how you wash dishes and how you put them away. Mm-hmm. I guess there's a bunch of different ways to get further along in it. But either way, further along is like, I guess, what the universe is doing as it's revealing layers of itself over time through weird creatures evolving on a planet and then getting even further along into the way that they live, getting to this probably the most secure place on, in Westeros, the Red Keep. I mean, obviously not because of the passageways and the stuff, but seemingly there. the most secure place, or right. at least idealistically or ideologically. Right. In this place, there are tapestries that line the walls tying the idea of how they live their lives all together. Mm-hmm. Or at least, mm-hmm. I guess it's only really possible to get this far in this skill, which is protecting and glorifying some kind of legacy. Obviously, it has everything to do with the fact that they're committed to governing or controlling the governance of this realm. And that's a privilege, I guess. So you need dragons to justify it, to be able to hold this sacred position. But really, they're just filling in a role that is created by the fact that there's a place that's so protected like this. Mm-hmm. So that's the furthest place that you could go right now. I guess there's other stuff that we don't know about in Essos and the the broadness and how they try to depict all the layers of people whenever our main characters do interact with, with them, I think would give people the idea that there's a lot of this stuff happening in the greater world. And the further we go out on different plot lines, when we get to soak up more of the texture, I think people's imaginations will allow them to build in the kind of story that they're trying to tell and the scale that they're trying to show in this. And so I feel like they're doing a good job with it in the TV show. But the idea that this is where this happens and there's people trying to get out of it and basically do the same thing is, uh, I think, a whole even bigger discussion. Because they're mirroring those scenes together, like they were mirroring what was happening with the birth and the uh, the tournament right. in episode one, and they're basically doing the same thing, just obviously way different circumstances. Totally, but all with the same end goal in mind, which is to what else is there to do, the line. <laughs> or at least just yeah, well, to <laughs> do the act of it. And even right. the people that were just doing the drugs in the bowels of the pleasure den, they were just, they were still naked. So it was still a part of it. Right. And they were still just around <laughs> it. And I know that it's got to be bowels. a really, tar- yeah, the bowels. <laughs> I, <laughs> they're going into Dante's several la- layers. They could have gone further, but I feel like maybe there's a little bit of that. There, there's a little bit of that, like, uh, journey element to it because when they cross first off the music was so iconic and then when they cross the threshold the of actually being so in Flea Bottom the guy with the fiery yeah. hands goes hey something cool could be happening here I uh, loved Quick Aside Viserys again Viserys trying to get Otto to tell us to say what it was oh my to say gosh. where they were to say exactly what they were doing and he's like don't make me say it and Otto, or Viserys is like you came into my room and Otto says they were in the bowels of the pleasure <laughs> It's like, what is that supposed to mean? <laughs> yeah, rather than say the actual thing. But there is nothing, there's nothing else to do, but that's the most important thing. And there's so many conversations about that because like between Allison and Rhaenyra, when Rhaenyra is like, I don't want to basically be married off to somebody and f- forced into jail to just pop out airs. And Allison is obviously clearly in that position. She feels trapped. She feels stressed she feels unhappy in that 
which is a dangerous, I think I realized more and more on my second rewatch of this, how dangerous Allison feeling the way she feels is for Viserys and Rhaenyra. Um, mm. But then also what Viserys was saying to Rhaenyra about you need, maybe this was the last episode, not this episode, but he was talking to her about how she needs an heir if she's going to secure what she wants to be doing. And so, and then Damon talks about it with Viserys saying, marry me to Rhaenyra and we can continue the line the way it always meant to be, you know? So that's just, that is the only thing because that's the only way they can secure their footing and their power. And you think that's about, what like, you do in this house. Exactly. And that's what Otto made Allison do so that uh, they could social climb. And that is what, Kristen was sort of doing with Rhaenyra. Mm, actually, no, never mind. Take that back. <laughs> we'll revisit that later. <laughs> I'm having second thoughts on that there. But anyway, essentially that like using sex for power, that's all that there is with these people. And so, you know, Rhaenyra's virtue and Allison's ability to perform and all these different kinds of things, like seeing all the different levels of that being teased out in the same episode because all of their relationships, I wrote down... And by notes, I was just thinking about how sex is all that they do. And I was thinking about like the luxury that some of them have to do it for pleasure. Like I was saying at the beginning when we started talking and just like Allison's feeling of being in jail because she is like forced. She's doing what Viserys wants Rhaenyra to do is just pop out airs and so yeah and the people in flea bottom were uh were doing it for pleasure way more than the really rich and well uh appointed person was viserys like sees those tapestries and he's like that's me that's what it looks like for me <laughs> it's like uh. <laughs> my regal bedding yeah good god i hope he, see, he has to have somebody else call to get bring his wife to him in the middle of the night like send somebody else to booty call his own wife she's like do i have to man it's rough out there for Viserys. <laughs> Megor would have made them both stay. So true. <laughs> Did you see the candle that was in the holder? So it was kind of like a lantern being carried into Allison's bedchamber when she was standing by the window with baby Helena. Uh, yeah. After the conversation with Rhaenyra, it what the scene looked like at first because there it was dark and it was just like lighting a passageway. Was it looked like mm-hmm. a jailer was walking to a cell? Oh, well, yeah, and with a baby crying. Mm-hmm. It, it was like we're going into a bad place. First of all, that baby is, I, we assume it's Helena, but she's humongous. And Allison is clearly unhappy. And le- from exactly that moment, then we get Rainera heading out to go be with Damon. That, and that whole, like you were saying, the juxtaposition between the two vibes is she just gets broken out phenomenal to watch. Yeah. Hmm. So I really enjoyed that. But, you know, it's Allison's duty to do that. And especially after Otto gets dismissed. And we saw a preview for the next episode, which was one of our questions was, what would Allison, how's Allison going to react to Otto being dismissed? Because their relationship was such a, or at least what Otto did was such a central focus of this episode. But we see a brief clip for episode five of her crying in the courtyard as he's seemingly leaving. And he's talking about how if Rhaenyra takes the throne, 
chaos is going to happen. So you need to start shoring up Aegon because he's going to become king. And so now, oh, I was, I think I was trying to say like, there's way more on the line now that Otto's out of the, out of the picture and out of the game. And so more of it is on Alicent's shoulders because she no longer is going to have, at least for the time being, her father in, in the weeds with her helping to pull the string. She's going to have to go out on her own. If that's what she's focused on. But it seems more and more that she's less focused on that, especially with how unenjoyable her experience is, especially against what she might consider a fun night out with someone she sees like herself. Like, Rhaenyra was kind of her equal. I don't know if she saw her that way. We really don't know how much reverence they have for these Targaryens, all of these people. Like we see the the maids and the washerwomen and the page boys. And uh, I think they're just at work and they probably don't feel as magical as they should, even though they're surrounded by all that imagery, you know, because ultimately they see the scars, literally the scars and they know about the struggles and they know about how really late at night he's trying for another kid, but they also know that he's like sticking to his sheets at night and can only sleep in a certain way. So it can't seem that magical to them. But they all are just trying to shore up their own station. I was thinking about the same kind of thing, that girl that Viserys sent to go wake up Allison. I was like, does that girl just have to like work at night around the clock waiting for somebody to tell her to go fetch somebody? <laughs> they and just does she can like call. it? And is that There's someone always her? in the earshot. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like, was she dressed and sitting waiting or was she sleeping? Those are the weird things that go through my head. Definitely but awake. I think no way. Um, you got to have prison guards at all times, 24-7 posted at your station. Right. I've been thinking a lot about just like royalty in general because the queen passed away recently. Rest in peace. But there's a, been a lot of, at least discussion that I was reading about, about getting a look inside the royal life. See, being able to see the actual trappings of power and what that actually looks like instead of previously before things like TV or cameras or social media when you had no idea what was going on in the room. It was just word of mouth or somebody drew a picture about it and made everybody's features look better. But all of these people have that inside look into exactly what's going on. So I don't know if that helps the case of somebody like Viserys or if that really hurts the case of somebody like Viserys, as he, like, if people actually take that seriously, you know? And I think that the only reason why people take it seriously is because somebody told them to take it seriously. It's the same thing with the dagger. Yeah, exactly. And so I think that that's part of what Viserys is trying to hold together. Because mm-hmm. he's talking to Rhaenyra about how it doesn't matter what people saw. It's exactly, it only matters what p- people perceive or what people believe. It doesn't matter what actually did or didn't happen. And he's like, I am trying to hold this together. I'm not above duty. And so... so Trying to hold together. Do you think he believes in the dreams and the prophecies then? I think he really wants to because I think that he struggles with that one dream that he had about his son. So I think that he wants to be special and different. And you hear him talking to Damon at their little happy hour when he tells Damon. Garden party. Yeah, you're you're the fave. You were always the favorite. I'm just the king because that was next in line. And so having something about him that would be special or cool or just for him that would set him apart from his brother or from any other ruler. I mean, his dad had this cool nickname, 
you know, and Viserys doesn't necessarily share that. And so I think that he wants to desperately believe that he has that power simply because it would set him apart as somebody special. And then he could project that. Yeah, that would be useful for them in this position because otherwise it's exactly what we said. They're just fulfilling that role and that humanity's crafted for itself where it's it gives both the protection and a reason for people to propagate in such concentrated and weird, desperate ways. Right. The thing I was saying about Allison is I'm not sure, or I wasn't sure for a while based on the way that other people see what it's like around them to actually be royal. She seems like her, her character, it feels like she's being meant to project that she sees all of this and doesn't necessarily like it. I don't know what the personal agenda would be for someone like Otto or Allison. I saw in this episode Otto play with his nails when he was nervous. And so maybe Did you really? I, did. I didn't catch when that. When he was talking to the king, he did it one-handed. It was it was very subtle and very nice. That's what I was talking about earlier with all of these little details that I noticed. That's nice. I had I like my laptop that. in front of me and I had noise-canceling mm-hmm. headphones on, so I was just sucked into it. <laughs> <laughs> and there was so much nice little stuff taken care of like that. And so mm-hmm. maybe Otto, it's what we've been saying, maybe Otto is less Machiavellian than Viserys crossed the line of when he told Otto that you might be that way. Uh, so yeah. I just put two points into one sentence. But maybe he's, it's like we've been saying, maybe he's not that guy where in Fire and Blood, we're supposed to take our own opinions about a lot of things and look how wrong we all were about Alicent. Mm-hmm. The Hightowers might have that agenda but it might not be so personal or so uh, uh, well thought out that we all thought sure. for them. Sure. I could be wrong, though. Otto, Otto could really, really want that rather than have just been taking care of a good situation and all the times that he seemed shady. Uh, Viserys' suspicions could also be true. So that all really goes into play when it's like, what does Allison really want at this point? But it's like you said, they are all just trying to do the best with the job that they have. And with some of them, it's some. sometimes it's with the opportunity of the current moment. But I think that for Alicent to really feel, to, to, to be someone that you should be worried about, like you said, I think it the Damon thing isn't personal enough. She's going to need something more personal to happen before she replaces her desire to like actually live her own life. I'll fucking do this for some kind of revenge. Like, yeah, I'll play the part of queen, you know, like I will play the, but I think it's, it's we're going to need some more personal stuff. And sure. I also want to know what really what the high towers are thinking, like what their real, what their real intentions are. And since Viserys brought it up, what they did with Balin, right? What plotting days. could have happened five days. What could have happened? I continue to be impressed mm-hmm. with how well they've played the middle ground and how gray everything is. Because even in Game of Thrones slash A Song of Ice and Fire, there was still like a clear good guy and bad guy. And like sometimes Tyrion would do questionable things, but he's always on the side of the moral right, seemingly so. You know what I mean? At least it just felt like clearer. Him. He was like, it's just like Damon, where it's like, you're doing bad stuff. You're literally plotting against Rhaenyra. In this episode, but right. we're turning a blind eye to it because we're like, well, he's cool and it's well acted. I just think that they've done a really good job. <laughs> like yeah, Peter Dinklage, with- we loved his performance. So Tyrion choking out Shay, we kind of forgot it. Totally. But I still think that like even more so than anything else in House of the Dragon, they've 
been able to really make everything so gray. And so we look at somebody like Otto. I had similar thoughts this episode where I was like, maybe Otto isn't, maybe he's genuine. Like maybe he really was just doing what was best for the realm because he seemed to struggle with, or he tells Viserys at least that he struggled with giving him this advice. He got it in a shady way. Right before that scene started when he was like, Yeah, uh-huh. that wasn't fake. Was he pretending? No. Was he preparing to put on a, his act, or was he preparing to tell the king hard news? What do you? I think, think that he, I think that he is really, really smart and really, really calculated, and I think he has genuine interests at heart. But he's in a very great position, and so I think that he has the opportunity to make some big moves without any consequences. So Allison was a big move. And I think that he just maybe stepped a little far to the left with Rhaenyra. Um, Having not her necessarily, Yeah, not necessarily fully understanding how much this family is like really bonded and like looking out for each other or like tied together. Yeah, You know, I think that Otto felt like maybe he could step over that, which... But in his defense, is his job as the hand is that he needs to be following people for information. Oh, he needs so, to have his so ear to good. the ground. It's it, yeah. it's like a corporate structure or something weird like mm-hmm. that. But I don't, see that's the thing we don't really know how much Otto is actually aware of what's going on. You know, like is he that guy or is he the other guy? And it, the, the thing is, it, we could be not seeing it for what it is. Maybe if we were George's age, it'd be clear to us. But Viserys might actually intimidate Otto and Otto might actually have a hard time matching. Viserys was flown around on a dragon when he was a baby. Sure. Viserys's right. mom's favorite activities. We don't need to go into him, but he came from <laughs> he came from that family and Damon's right. his brother. And he did have that life that Damon described in this episode, uh, on the streets of Silk. Okay. He that's the he so he's that guy. So maybe Otto just can't talk as well as Viserys. And I was I was thinking literally while they were saying it, uh, I was uh, writing it down in my notes when he goes speak pl- he's, and say it plainly because that, right. Otto just kept making it so much worse than it was with the pageantry. I saw so much of myself in that. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Like even in email yeah. or out loud form, it's like you got to, sh- yeah. sometimes you got to shed those layers away. <laughs> he was making it worse by saying a bunch of stuff that he didn't need to say. Mm-hmm. And this is where it comes in. What kind of guy is he? And it would say so much about the story. I'm so interested to see how it plays out. Like what we'll, mm-hmm. what impression we're going to take away from it is Viserys the gift, the, the king in so many ways. Does he have the gift to talk so well and uh, to be so down to earth? Because it's that's been our main review of him so far. This mm-hmm. whole time is that he's so he's so powerful, but he's so down to earth. And that could come from a lot of things. It could come from the awareness from the station, but I think it mostly just comes from being that guy who was literally flown around on dragons as a kid and had that cool of a family structure, albeit there were a lot of deaths happening overseas, but still it, it was cool for them. They lived there. It seemed cool for them. And a lot of people had harder lives at the time, but he was able right. to turn out like this. And Otto was pretty well off too, but I don't know if it was exactly like that. And so obviously Otto, it wasn't. So which guy is he? Is he right. the guy who planned to make everything sound worse using all those extra words? So it made it seem courtly and official. Or is he the guy <laughs> Today who, of all days, you grow your grace. <laughs> is he that guy, which it seems like he was. I mean, that, he's like the Podrick of of bad guys. But he's not the bad guy that we thought he was at first because they're not bad guys anymore. 
because now right. everyone's like dealing with their own stuff. And we were just a little bit Targaryen hangry at the, the start of the season, but now it's sure. equalized so much more. He might be a big fan of hunting and deers and of ceremony, and he might actually be nervous. And so he's saying a lot of bad stuff or he's trying to make it sound worse. And eventually he's going to use the weight of the legal system and the courts and how they can also trick other leaders to air quotes, see it that way to make their own agenda with the iron throne. But again, if he's not the bad guy, then he's probably going to need something a lot worse to happen to him before he does that too, or at least I think this some was, kind of opportunity. I think this could potentially be that thing. Cause you look really? at that conversation that he and Allison had. I don't know if you watched the trailer for episode five. Or if you're still no, trailer free, trailer free. So Unsullied. not no no spoilers for you. Sorry, but they were, seemingly were having a really intense conversation as Otto was leaving. Otto and Allison about the fact that she needs to prepare Aegon to become king, and so I think that Otto was going to take it very personally that he was dismissed in the way that he was because I think that he was being so genuine. Mm. I think that's why he was stuttering or not able to be plain is because he doesn't want to talk about it. You yeah. know, that's not his thing. And so I think that that mm. could be enough to spur the, well, screw this. I have served the realm. I did it in a way that I thought was the right thing. And of course I'm trying to get some for myself, but so is everybody else. Even Viserys knows that. So if you're going to dismiss me out of hand like that, and you're going to be passing over my grandson, then Plus, it's raining really hard in that scene. So the the drama is escalated. You know what I mean? So let's go to war is kind of the vibe I got from that. And kind of what I was saying earlier about Allison being in a really precarious and dangerous situation. I think she just feels really numb. And I also think she feels jealous. And I think that she feels... um. She doesn't feel like herself. She's like, I'm still Allison, but people would just call me the queen. And I think that she potentially could feel like she has nothing to lose other than her station, which she might it doesn't like. seem she particularly likes it anyway. Yeah. So she might be realizing, you know, what was more important to me, becoming the queen or keeping these relationships that meant so much to me. I miss when I was a kid and everything was happy and fine and I wasn't part of the drama. So I think that auto being dismissed may be enough to then spur those feelings that um are going to be really difficult to let go of i didn't i didn't think that that would be a thing but maybe i could be wrong but why do you think that she was so upset when she was eavesdropping on that scene i think for a couple different reasons i think that one she misses rainera i think she misses that bond um and so I think there's just a little bit of, from my personal perspective, jealousy. Like how I would maybe feel in her position of Rainier is out doing all this stuff and I'm stuck here and I don't even get to know about it. We used to do that stuff together. And now my dad is telling my man, who I don't even like that much because he's kind of gross, <laughs> this. You know what I mean? And so it's and it's right after, it's the morning after she has that rough night you know and so i think that there's just like a little bit of jealousy there both because she wants to be free and also because she misses rainera and so um there just i think is a lot in her head right now 
about yeah. who she wants to be and what she's supposed to do. We saw her have that conversation at the beginning of the episode with Rhaenyra mm-hmm. about Rhaenyra being married off and having kids with people. And maybe she hadn't heard anyone describe it less magically yet. Right. And she <laughs> she wants to share in what she's going through with someone. And she has nobody to share it with. And so I think she also wants Rhaenyra to get married because she wants... To be able to commiserate with her about what she's going through or, or speak plainly. <laughs> that, that's about a thing it. that people do in real life. It is. Yeah. And so it's like I've been saying, it's, it's complicated. And so I think that all of those feelings and then being without Otto, we haven't necessarily seen her and Otto have a lot of, I don't think they even had a combo in this episode, just one on one between mm-hmm. the two of them. So who knows? I mean, their relationship seems to be. Good, but you know, who knows what kind of impact him not being there from like a fatherly relationship standpoint will do for her versus from a political standpoint. I'm not a hundred percent sure about that, but I think is enough to piss them both off. So what's your short answer to our question? How will Allison react to the news of her father being sacked? I think she's gonna be devastated. So that's my short just answer. get mad. You don't think she'll do anything? I guess what could she do? Prepare Egan. That's what he tells her to do. Just even harder. She's like, this is what means. I want. Rhaenyra should be replaced because of this thing. Yeah. I don't know if she's necessarily going to start gunning for Rhaenyra to be replaced outright at this point. But He's I think so she's going to sure up her options. Yeah. What do you think? I don't know if she's going to just get more lonely. Or if she's going to yell at Rhaenyra for doing it, and maybe they'll have a more plain conversation. There's always shadows of plainness and uh, how they talk to each other in these recent episodes. But um, their first convo got so close. I know. It just makes it so sad because mm-hmm. you could just cut through that. But at the level that they're at, they have, I guess they have to play so carefully. But I often just see it as some kind of pride especially Mm -hmm. with Rhaenyra but she doesn't have to struggle in those same ways so she doesn't really know the full context but if he just leaves the show I'm going to be really sad he's been so good that look that he gave Viserys when uh, Damon walks up Mm -hmm. I forget Damon (laughs) says something it's just like can you see what's happening here it's just like they were they were so a team at that moment yeah this is how we run things here Mm-hmm. It's actually not as fancy as it looks. It's just us two, and I'm standing on the chair, and he's like, what do we do with this guy? Otto's like a little bit off to the side. Yeah, I pinned that moment, too. I loved how they added us seeing how people file into the throne room. And, and that kind of an analogy for what they did in a lot of stuff. They added that sort of, a, I don't know what you would call it, the just space around the thing that they were mm-hmm. about to do. That mm-hmm. made it feel like we were like walking from class to class, like we're going mm-hmm. to this thing instead of just showing the main guy standing at the place where he likes to have his favorite place to have conversations, but actually showing how it works. Oh, Damon's here. All right. Everyone's filing in and whispering, including Rhaenyra. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Showing Rhaenyra do it too, being a part of the, of just the mass of people. That kind of stuff is just that Rhaenyra walking with her other noble people to go see that scene just take a picture of that image that kind of texture is what gives us that context that is obviously really happening here 
you mm-hmm. can you can make stuff in a lot of different ways. You can point out like what point you're trying to getting at, trying to get at in a lot of different ways. But a really good solid one to do is to actually show the real dynamic of what's happening in a place like this. And the real dynamic is there's only a few royal people, and there's a bunch of other people that are just here. And it all makes a lot more sense whenever we participate in these hierarchical structures in modern life because it's stuff like school and all of its there's no naked stuff on the wall. It's not just like hardcore rock and roll where living life as hard as possible. Right. <laughs> and so, but even here, it's it's less rock and roll than it could be in Westeros, like it is in Flea Bottom, because everyone sure. is so mannered, you know, and fancy and so washed, and their clothes are made so complicatedly. So it's like, okay, well, you're good here. Look at look at that dress. Look at the sewing pattern. Look how complicated those braids are. You're good here, but there is still. Uh, like a world to live in. So like, how do all these people get to the throne room? Why are they there? What are their thoughts and feelings when they're going there? And when we get shown stuff like that, it just the points that they're trying to drive home, which is that this could be a real place, actually feel like it could be a real place. Mm-hmm. Instead of just going I to was, hero shots over and over exactly, and over again. Exactly, which was so much at the end of Game of Thrones. I was thinking about that scene too. Viserys and Damon are being reunited as brothers. Yeah, And I was like, Viserys is probably kind of annoyed that he has to do all of this pomp and circumstance. Mm-hmm. He probably wants to be like, what happened yeah, there? Yeah. You know, tell me what went on. Instead, yeah. they have to put on this little show. Right. That's the knowing everyone. look with Otto and yeah, Viserys. Exactly. It's just like, we have to do this whole thing. It's why That's why I said, like, it's not as fancy as it seems. I stand. We're, this is how we run it. I stand here. You stand there. I stand by the chair or on the chair. You stand by the chair. I carry the sword, and then everybody comes this in. Is and our performance that's for the, the show. Day. Yeah, yeah, that's the, exactly. that's the show. Everybody, <laughs> like we just did it. But like yeah. Damon sees through all that. That's why he does weird shit like this. That's why he like walks mm-hmm. up to the sword. That's why he talks in a certain way. But he played court this episode and did all the right stuff for his his brother. So Viserys is just like, all right. You know, we did the thing right. in front of everyone. Let's end this well. And that hug was so sweet. But yeah, it's just funny. It was really How nice. everyone's aware of how weird their lives are. And so it's like we're getting that first look at Allison growing up and getting smart enough and being exposed to enough to start realizing that really. Just like, what? Plus, it's not all dreamy. Exactly. Exactly. It's like a it's very Sansa-esque uh, trajectory for her, I would say. Kind of the rose-colored glasses being taken off of life at court. We saw Sansa go through that so deeply. But you also think about everybody, Rhaenyra's opportunity to hear what everybody was saying about her in Flea Bottom. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. there's disturbances at court. People are realizing things. People are seeing what the trappings of power really mean or what they really are. And then there's the people in the street who have their also their own opinions. And Rhaenyra says, who cares what they think? And Damon's like, well, you might care once you become the one. So it's those two forces kind of clashing together that can so easily, as we will see, topple everything mm-hmm. with one hand, basically. And it starts with probably your closest advisors, maybe even your family. I think that's probably uh, what House of the Dragon is all about. It start the the. It's about family. The vulnerabilities start right with your family, and then it go in their case. Then it goes to probably their advisors, and then washer people, maids, servants, pages, cupbearers, all these human beings that are around. I know that they have um, jobs that makes it seem like. 
they they would have a kind of like mousy, quiet personality where they would never say anything else. But sometimes they might leave the Red Keep or sometimes they might talk to someone that doesn't live in the Red Keep and how weak the king is right now and how much drama there is with Damon returning and this situation, I mean, without even taking her hat off in the brothel, just in general, uh, could have been heard about by someone else. Mm-hmm. And so all these vulnerabilities like and insecurities. Like, look at Masaria. Exactly. Well, then you could have someone who's making a career out of it, basically. Yeah, Who's, like, exactly. really good at it. And that that's how you get these weird... Uh, you get stuff that can parasitically survive off of something that generates as much wealth and importance as a kingdom seat of seven kingdoms. And so, yeah, you're going to get stuff like that. It's going to attract, like, further development of being able to profit off of it. I think the play was good for Minera though, because it shows what people think about them, obviously. But I think that she probably doesn't need this reminder, but some main characters sometimes do, especially people that are watching a show too, if they maybe just hate all the obviously wealthy bad guys and give a little bit of a pass to people who have like harder lives still Rhaenyra sees this situation and she gets to see that this is what people are like too it's not like they Mm -hmm. really even deserve to be protected Mm -hmm. and that's not something that you want a character like her to think like that's not the taste of of the town that you want her to get when she can fly on a dragon I wonder if that's going to be her only experience because I think that just the way that Damon kind of dismissed her at the end is going to leave, I think, a bad taste in her mouth of the whole experience. That's in what general. I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, we don't want her to already be like all of my people are problematic and they don't mm-hmm. even understand how all of us work together and all they do is uh, complain and they right. don't they don't know and they don't like me because I'm a woman flat out. That was a weird sentiment to take away. I guess people just really like the baby Aegon. But like she hasn't done anything for King's Landing to not like her yet. She just went from the realm's delight to this. I think that that's what Viserys was telling her, that she's a woman. Sorry you were born a girl. Not my problem is basically what he said to her. And I think that that's enough. No matter what she does, I think that people are just going to assume that she can't hack it because she doesn't have all the necessary parts basically you know it's a crazy point to continue to drive home but it's even crazier that all these people could be leading actual lives where they live out a full and complete day and then go to sleep as a human being and they're able to survive every day and they don't see how ridiculous that is it'll be interesting to see if what how and what allison uses that to her advantage and Otto uses that to their advantage as they yeah, and just the sentiment of the general That's public. That's what I'm thinking, yeah. Yeah, they use that to for their own personal gain. That's what I was saying earlier. It seems like they know that that possibility is always there, and they really haven't started to mess with that yet. They've given the Targaryens the the space to just do whatever and react mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. But Rhaenyra, she invoked the rules when she was talking to Allison, when Allison called her out for the, uh, the Night Night with Daemon. She was like, that's treason to, right. to question my virtue. And then their blocking changed in that scene. Alicent was standing closest to the tree, and it seemed like she was the one given the da-da-da-da-da. And then Rhaenyra's taking it, and then she's feeling attacked, and Alicent's feeling a little bit more powerful. And then they rotate. And Rhaenyra's like, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. 
and you can't do that because you could get in trouble for saying bad stuff about a princess. And then Allison's like, well, technically, I guess, but what if it was true? And then mm-hmm. you're going to spoil everything. So then more of her own like uh, personal actual feelings about it were given. And so that's the dance with Allison. It's, is it going to be, I'm invoking the rules. You must call me your grace. Do we talk to each other plainly? Exactly. Are we yeah. invoking the rules? Are we talking to each other plainly about stuff? And so right now they're still not completely against each other because sometimes it's rules. And then when the other person gets like a, the upper hand slightly, then it's like, okay, well, here's a little mm-hmm. bit of personality. And then the other person backs down a little bit. And mm-hmm. so I don't know it's if the auto of, thing think, is going to break that. That's all I'm saying. Right, exactly. Well, and it's a lot. I think Otto and Viserys probably had not as close of a similar dance because obviously Rhaenyra and Alicent are closer on that other level. But I think that same kind of just let's be honest and and cut the pomp and circumstance and then maybe we can actually get somewhere i'm curious i can't remember did viserys invoke the rules when he was firing auto or did he do it plainly i can't remember the exact words he used. he did it pretty plainly from what i recall he did it pretty plainly he said he said some really nice stuff i think that that's him. the rules part of it where he was like you know you've served us dutifully but i think he believed it too so it's nice he could believe what would have been like the annoying thing in the conversation the non-truthful mm-hmm, exactly. one. Exactly. That, but that's why exactly. we like Viserys, because he still ultimately gets to stay that guy amidst all of this bullshit that he's doing. Anyway, so right. what point were you trying to make? Well, I was going to say, one of the other questions that we asked for this week was, what's going to happen between Rhaenyra and Kristen? And as we're talking about speaking plainly to one another, it seems pretty clear that that may not happen at all. And I know you didn't see the trailer for episode five, so I'm sorry, but we already seem to have some Allison and Kristen interaction going into the next episode. Allison and, so, and Kristen? Mm-hmm. Oh. And so, oh, yes. <laughs> it was very brief. And so I oh, don't particularly I t- rec- I completely forgot. recall the specifics. I know, but so Rainer and Kristen have this pretty magical evening and. Then the next morning, they don't really address it at all, even though it seems like Rhaenyra is keen to, and Kristen uh, quickly dismisses it, seemingly, with his body language. And then we see in the trailer for the next episode, Allison and Kristen interacting. And so I was just thinking, as we're talking about, let's just talk man-to-man or woman-to-woman and be playing with each other and cut through some stuff and maybe save ourselves a headache, how that will play out with Kristen and Rhaenyra are they ever going to have a conversation about what happened between the two of them? Or is he just going to completely jump over into Allison's side for some reason? Like, is he going to get angry enough for, cause he was talking to young Allison. So, and we don't have much time left with her, you know? So what was enough? Was that interaction with Rhaenyra enough to push them apart? Or does something else happen between the two of them in order to drive the wedge further? Or has it already been done? I'm not sure. Well, we can't get mad at Allison for the spying thing. We can do it. No. We can do it from association, but not not mad. And uh, Allison can get mad about the Rhaenyra thing because she, I'm sure she assumes that Rhaenyra was the reason that Otto got fired because she knew that the king knew about the spy for a, a couple days, it looked like before he made that that call. And he probably didn't discuss it with her personally at all. And she probably knew that he was talking to Rhaenyra right before it happened. And if it wasn't right before, it was probably earlier in that same day or something. So she's probably pieced it together in her mind. 
that Rainier is to blame. So is that enough? Potentially. She was trying to defend her dad. Is that enough to want to get back at her or do something weird? I think, hmm. well, you know, in the book, we have more of a reason, more of a direct reason for Allison to want to uh, annoy Rhaenyra or to even know how to annoy Rhaenyra in this particular circumstance. So that's cool. We're getting in the next episode, though. I completely forgot. That's There's such a great way to just add more um, just pain to this whole right to this whole situation to the list yeah yeah dude Kristen cole in this episode though again with more of an intimate watching environment and having headphones on just seemed like he, he was not he did not want to do that in that scene he seemed like he did not want to do that and it seemed also like he wasn't being cold to her the next day in any in any weird way it seemed like every single official word that he was carrying he was worried was about exactly them. Exactly. He, was he? He thought it was about them. The looks he was giving, yeah. like, holy shit! And that's why he was like, "Let's take it serious." You're laughing right now, but you have an official summons to go talk to the queen. And then later that day, or later the next day, it's like, "Oh, am I letting you into the king's official summons room? What exactly. is going on?" He's like, "You guys don't do this. What is good? Why does everyone seem so serious right now?" Because he doesn't really know, presumably, about the whole Damon thing. But he's in such a precarious position, so of course he's going to really be. I'm sure he's worried double, about triple, him. quadruple. Thinking, yeah, about it's a pretty what, big deal. What this means for him, yeah. Because you think about like Rainera has the opportunity to pursue whatever she seemingly would like to. I mean, I know she's a woman, and her virtue is one of those things that clearly is a hot topic and an important thing to these people. But Kristen doesn't have that same uh, luxury, and no. I don't think that Rainera. I don't read this situation between the two of them that Rainier was explicitly taking advantage of him for no reason. He wasn't a total rando to her. Mm-mm. And I know that potentially and likely Kristen held more of a candle for Rainier than she does for him. But I feel like people have been, some of the analysis I've been seeing is people saying that Rainier took advantage of Kristen Cole in this situation, which I don't particularly read it that way i think that she cares for him in her own way and you know she just got dismissed by damon and she was a little drunk whatever but i i don't think that she was like doing anything to be spiteful she probably wasn't thinking the repercussions that it would have for somebody like Kristen. but so it matters if it was spiteful i think that uh i just don't particularly agree with it being portrayed as manipulative towards Kristen is what I'm trying to say. Like in what like way? I don't th- like I don't think Chris Rainera was doing to Kristen what Damon was doing to Rainera. No, because it seems like Damon might have when he especially when he pulled her hat off. It was either he was trying to make her feel more crazy or put himself in more of a power position because apparently that's the narrative that the directors are are right building with him, which is that he's impotent unless he feels like he's taking advantage of a maiden. And I that that seems a little bit cartoonish to, to have that yeah. be the thing but um to get the direct answer of it i guess that's nice i would still like to not know exactly what's going on i like the idea of knowing like is he gonna mess everything up with viserys or uh, i did it's just like knowing that it's because he knows that he couldn't get what he needs in this situation that was a little weird but um it seems like he's come for her for some reason at least to it, not i don't think it's to get her to be thought so poorly of that she's gonna 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 be supplanted because it would just go to Aegon 
no duh right. it wouldn't go to him but right. it seems like he's trying to bring down her rep or something in some way so she can come down to his level and he can marry her i guess which again is a very direct instead of a mysterious reason or answer to the reason why he might be doing this so i guess we got to move quickly through the show because a lot of years get passed so it's good to know exactly what they're trying to do so yeah that's definitely not the same as uh what were we just talking about? The other person, Kristen and yeah, Rhaenyra's dynamic. Definitely not the same as Kristen and Rhaenyra because uh, Kristen, what would he want to damage Rhaenyra for? And what would Rhaenyra well, want to damage Kristen for? Well, I think just like the, potentially the carelessness of putting him in that situation. It's definitely careless for sure. And it could lead to really bad things if she had still been, been being spied on, for example, because King's Landing is... Is not as private. I mean, clearly, we literally had a, a a sneaking out scene. We had a Marauders map scene, literally in this episode. So it's not like I the secret is safe. The door, right? As far as the taking advantage of him or not in that situation, I mean, he definitely didn't want to do it. But then he also did want to do it. He just didn't want to do it because I think that he felt the weight of his vows. Yeah. Not because he didn't want her. That's the reason why, though. That's why he didn't want to do it. Because he's like, I'm I'm supposed to be watching your door. I'm one of seven of the highest stationed guards in the land. And uh, we live in a society where people get hurt whenever they do stuff wrong, like in a real way. He didn't protest that much, though. I mean, no. I guess it doesn't matter. Yeah. I guess it doesn't matter. <laughs> he didn't protest that much, but he definitely didn't want to do it. He did protest. He definitely didn't want he to He did do a it. little. Really? I see. I, I saw it like kind of mutual. Well, I mean, they're both hot and that is really fun <laughs> to do. And they both want to do that for sure. Yeah. It's like, of course, he wants to sleep with, with Rhaenyra. Why, right. why wouldn't he? She's the realm's delight and why wouldn't you want to sleep with her? And they like right. each other. They're nice to right. each other. They really like right. each other. So, like, why wouldn't he want that to happen? Well, here's your answer. Because he's a member of the Kingsguard. He might take his oath seriously. He might not. That's up to him. But either way, he it's a pretty big ask. <laughs> Just to have him do randomly. Like, nothing led to yeah. this. We haven't kissed. We haven't seen them kiss or anything. Um, but, no, it's not like... It's not like super problematic taking advantage of, if that makes any sense. Because Kristen obviously likes her and wanted it to happen. I'm not the person that knows about all the, the details in this. I just stay away from this kind of thing in general. I think that's what <laughs> he was trying to <laughs> yeah, do. probably. <laughs> so. Probably. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, prob yeah. he probably was trying to stay away from it. But, I mean, right. the, the other side of that was a great surprise and a, a great delight, I'm sure. I'm, I'm just, I'm looking forward to seeing how... It seems like we're going to get that played out in the next episode. I'm looking forward to see how far they take it. You mean played if out? The, if, like that that aspect of their it? relationship, their Rainier and Kristen's not relationship. The, not it being think. problematic that she did that to him. You don't think that? I don't know if that's ever going to come out publicly. I think that that's going to be more just something we were supposed of a to. private affair and a oh, okay. private rift. And I think that in my mind, at least reading Fire and Blood, that's meant to make the whole switch to. Alicent way more painful because there's not just like the rift between Alicent and Rhaenyra, but the rift between Rhaenyra and Kristen as well. Both of them are scorned by somebody that they loved so deeply. Alicent keeps taking all her guys away. Her I know. dad, Kristen. <laughs> What's next? Damon? Can you imagine? Oh my god! Can you imagine Damon's like, you know what? Let's just do it. This Alex Alicent Hightower. 
gave her my favor that one time. She's not so bad. I was like, this is what it could be like. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. Why don't I just have it all, Allison? You heard Damon. He just leans down in her ear and starts that monologue. Okay. All right. Right on, dude. That is definitely the most artistic creepy uncle ever put in cinema. It's got to be. Way too much attention to detail in that. There's a if there's I'm, another one that's got more, more love. Let us know. Please tell. Please tell us. Yeah. So Masaria is definitely the one that is working with Otto, and the kid's a proxy, and so she's the white 1 worm. Percent. She's yeah. thin like a worm, and she had a white dress on, and the kid showed up there. You see me like playing TV detective right now, guys. Yeah. Well, they call How her. How could the you white watch worm? this show without me? Wait, they call her that. So, oh. Yeah, they do. i think that they do or at least maybe they don't call her explicitly but Otto references having a message from the white worm yeah that's what i'm talking about yeah so i was saying she is the white worm yeah i like the you're right i liked it where i sounded dumber a little bit better (laughs) (laughs) i like that they it's they said with them saying it a little bit better um so i appreciate her a lot more and like we were saying earlier it made me feel like there was more to King's Landing and more to the world if if she's able to exist like that and run what seems to be a hotel because with headphones I heard little kids talking when the other mm-hmm. uh, when the messenger boy ran out of the room I could hear his little feet running away and then the kids were laughing and I was like hmm she's mm-hmm. traded her life into a, a more uh, wholesome circumstance and she's still getting money for people to pass out in a bed though that's cool right but I right. didn't imagine her having like three or four other seedy wine holes somewhere in Flea Bottom probably has a uh, a couple brothels too like she's doing well for herself and the guy that she is doing this for is the prince I think that she could do a lot better than Damon because she's such a crafty businesswoman for sure but Damon is Prince Damon, for God's sake! So it's it's like you said, it could have been like this. She doesn't want it, she doesn't want it any other way. Even if he can't give it to her, right? She's like, you're still Damon Targaryen. Damn it, you're a dragon. Right. You ride a dragon. So maybe guys <laughs> buying Lamborghinis and stuff. Like maybe there is something to it that we just don't know about. Us broke people out here are like they're so dumb. Right, Dragons exactly. actually suck. <laughs> right. It's just because we don't have access. Yes, because we don't it, have like it. They yeah. do. You could like n- not even function and you're good enough for, for this babe. She learned very plainly though that Damon couldn't even take care of her. And so she had to find her own way. And so she used her best skills to just get that down payment. Her, yeah, I wonder how that first like what that first thing how that first thing came to be. That first piece of information, you know? Because we didn't see that, did we? Like how she first gets No, we're just supposed to assume it, yeah. Well, think about the time that's passed and the way that he got rid of her. But Mm -hmm. ultimately, she's still, and all the other ladies down there in that hole still are, I think, ultimately more more willing to go after Rhaenyra than Daemon because they like Daemon. And also, they they don't like Rhaenyra because she's the princess. She is the princess. She's literally the opposite of them. She's being protected for... Some kind of a, a sale between two powerful lords, and it's all going to be sealed by her virginity. Right. And we're literally right. taking drugs, and we don't have that. There's no virginity left in here. And why are you so special? How come you get to be like that? And so I think this is probably business in protecting Damon because she likes Damon, but also a little bit personal. 
She probably still has oh, some hope that Damon mostly personal. might have yeah. a chance to uh, get some kind of power and she can continue to, I don't know, have access to that because he's still passing out somewhere in her vicinity or she's right. still able to have access to him when he is passing out. So it's like, what does she really want? It doesn't really matter. She's getting something though. It's at least interesting. It's cooler mm-hmm. than not knowing Damon, at least. Right, right. She still has access to. She can handle it. Of course she can. She obviously can because she's able to, within that, do something else in her own right. Because she didn't get to auto through Damon, you know? It's not like they introduced each other. Right. Otto's like making this some, his wife's been gone a long time, you know? <laughs> I don't know if that's how they connected, but. Mm. That's a good theory. <laughs> Then I think bad guy auto would be more likely, but maybe right. he's still not bad guy auto, and that's still happening. Right. And that right. would be even better. He's like in love with Masaria. Like that kid shows what up. What twist that would be. Right. And he's like, oh. <laughs> Dude, that was so good. That Tell kid, her I say hello. That kid was so well cast. And the, just knowing that you get, just imagine getting taken through a gate shuffled through a gate secretly by grown dudes with plate armor and then you meet this fancy like brain of the city he's like the brain of the city he walks up to you in his wizard robe and he's like "Hmm, tell me what happened (laughs) (laughs) that is crazy kind of like i was thinking about that messenger girly that woke up allison i was thinking the same thing for that kid like what's that guy's day like you know like he was like, oh my gosh, you guys! I cannot believe I met Otto Hightower today. Mm-hmm. I didn't think I was going to talk to the hand. I thought I was just going to give some info to someone, but I talked to the guy. I don't know if those kids give a shit. I think certain people in King's Landing would take selfies, and then sure. I think them down there. But I don't know if it's a, he's a them down there. He was <laughs> he was not washed though, so I don't know. Maybe he's too little to know or. No, they, he's not too little to know. He was yeah. he was waiting. Yeah. He was following them. He knows what's going on then. Yeah. So you think he, he was really was excited them. to meet Otto? Maybe not excited as in like thinking he was cool, but just having access Intimidated. to the yeah. highest. Yeah. Yeah, the highest place. That's what I thought too. Yeah. I also really like the dagger scene. Mm-hmm. A lot more of this go around. And it might seem like they've made the prophecy seem more important but they've made it i think on purpose made it way less important sort of harkening back to the conversation we were having earlier the fact that the dagger was passed down from valeria from people we don't even know because it's been passed down for so long is that's cool that's really cool that that's the thing that stabbed the night king that probably hints at some greater mystery that we'll never know about Maybe that's the real prophecy. I, I right. don't know. That was the real Song of Ice and Fire. The whole time. Uh, it was the friends we made along the way, yeah. <laughs> and uh, knowing that Aegon the Conqueror put his song with one of the last surviving pyromancers from Old Valyria into the dagger. So this is Aegon put it in. He's like, I have this cool heirloom. I had this crazy dream. I'm going to put the dream on the dagger. And now the dagger... It looks like it's magical. <laughs> Especially, and will eventually fulfill that prophecy that well, I put onto the dagger. Now you're making it even crazier. But <laughs> but he 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 made it look more magical. Just mm-hmm. like Viserys is saying, we need to 
uh, like take this seriously and this is more important than actually ruling i don't know yet and i think that that's the cool thing of skating both edges of what they might be thinking that creates the grayness that we've been talking about and i think helps it be not disappointing and also not cheesy we don't know if viserys really believes all that prophecy stuff or right. if Aegon really believed all that prophecy stuff or if they were smart enough to know that even within their family and if the news got out, but even there still needs to be some kind of like funky element to what we're all doing that makes it seem faded. When you get the shivers and you die, that Targaryen exceptionalism kind of melts away a little bit. But if you have a prophecy that says that you need to defeat evil, maybe you believe it amongst yourselves. And like I said, if it ever got out, it wouldn't be. That's not exactly bad PR. Like, wow, they have dragons, and they're even sent by God even more than we thought they were? Wow. So which is it? Which is he protecting? But Aegon literally put the quote on the dagger himself. He made right. it a magical object. So that says all we need to know, really. But like you said, it did fulfill the prophecy. And magic is apparently made stronger by dragons being back in the world, and there's a ton of dragons in the world right now. So That's the thing that's... Hmm. That's the thing that's so cool about A Song of Ice and Fire is that there's magic that genuinely works. And then there's the trappings of what looks to be magic or exceptionalism or... Because as you're talking about that, I'm thinking about Daenerys's... The whole thing she had in her mind that she was the one spurned her whole... Or spurred her whole entire journey was that belief that Westeros belonged to her and her family. And that was enough for her to build her life on and so whether Viserys actually truly believes this or not it has been enough of a motivator to try to be the guy and try to be the light guiding light of his life you know what I mean and so is this a situation where real magic is at play and so the prophecy is working and the dreams are happening or is this a situation where somebody like Stannis really wants to see what things, how things are supposed to be because it benefits him and not, and he wants people to follow him or because he actually believes it, you know, it's hard to say, but we always see with religion, with magic, this gray area where sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but if it's enough to get people to act, then maybe it's enough. It doesn't need to be real in quote air quotes, you know? Right. And even, a movie or a TV show um, needs to use that same sort of concept to actually be good. Sometimes it's right. less obvious, but it, it's got to have something that's like a dance move in it to, to like a deeper point that it's saying. Like there's got to be a point where, okay, now the thing has happened. Mm-hmm. Now something weird has happened and there's a purpose to it. Like there's got to be like a reason for all this to happen. And dragons are a cool reason but like I said, I think they it's wanted not to have a deeper one. Yeah. Yeah. And if, every, and if a TV show has a bad one, it's a bad TV show. Or if the way that right. they, they like what they did with the Night King, like the way that they close up a reason, if you don't close up the reason in a way that reflects the scale of the mystery of the promise, your joke sort of fell flat. Well, that makes the whole, that makes this whole thing even more complicated though. You know what I mean? Because... We didn't see it play out or happen in a satisfying way. Right. And so 
I struggle a little bit but from the my own did. personal. I know, but I struggle from my <laughs> own personal universe. bias. I'm like, the, okay, like we get it. We saw this dagger all over the trailer coming into it. It killed the Night King. Like Arya did it. Like cool, you know what I mean? Like I kind of like eye roll like a little at it simply because I felt like we didn't get the like I said, like it didn't make sense in the dance ending. Move. Yeah, you it's know like, what was the so, theme? Exactly. What was the through line here? Exactly. So, you know, Bran was missing for a whole season, but now he's the one. I feel like my own personal bias against this whole prophecy simply because of how we saw it play out. But I do really buy into and like the idea that this artifact and this idea is what's holding us together behind the scenes because we need something Mm -hmm. other than our dragons to keep us moving because... That's how it's always been done throughout all of history mm-hmm. is this call to the higher power mm-hmm. to give you the right to do what you feel like you can or do. To and so make it up so we can actually lead 10,000 mm-hmm. people or a thousand mm-hmm. people. Or if we're on a, the scale of a tribe, we can use it to control 12 people. And exactly. We so. can read portents from things like weather with a little bit of a spin on it. Exactly. Which is, so, you know, like Maester 101 right now in Westeros. The prophecy was correct because we saw the Night King come and invade Westeros. So there was some truth behind it. So whether Viserys truly has that vision, that ability to have visions in the same way as well, mm-hmm. I am the jury is still out on that. But the prophecy was true. Like Aegon's vision was true. It could be Blood Raven, though. It could be. It could be. We have a fantasy story with. Without the sort of forgiveness that some fantasy gets, like fairy tale forgiveness, where none of it works, and it could be kind of like Stephen King does, um, being explained by science fiction, where something fantastical right. is happen- happening, right. and it could be actually getting explained by, um, really, still it's fantasy too, but just the sort of edge it has um, feels more sci-fi if that's what's happening. If if these visions are being planted by another person to steer what happens and to go toward the conclusion of whatever this master wants. We hope that it's love and peace. Well, some of us probably hopes that it's chaos because this is a fictional universe and maybe they want to see what it looks like if it blows up and grayscale takes over the whole planet. But (laughs) some of us that like want to see a happy ending and to see Jon Snow kill the Night King or Daenerys kill the Night King and this and this and never to have survived, then... This makes more sense. I just hate the idea. I truly, genuinely hate the idea that Bloodraven is manipulating the whole thing. So Aegon didn't have any agency and Viserys doesn't have any agency and Brand. You know, it's like all these people, John, all these people didn't get to make the choice for themselves because they were driven by some whatever. Like Instead, it's just some mysterious kind of. being in the background manipulating the whole thing. That's so boring to me. It's like, okay, cool. So what's the point? And but maybe that also, is the point. It's also how the kingdom is, though. That, that's literally the look that we're getting from House of the Dragon of the king. We're seeing the royal family for what it is. So that might be a layer of storytelling where with the science fiction route if like we're seeing what seems fantastical or what seems like you might want to put it on a pedestal for what it really is and isn't that how the common people see Viserys and Rhaenyra already as we saw in the play they already see them for what they really are so that's probably why Game of Thrones is so successful because to us commoners that watch it we're being shown this fantastical stuff for what it really is 
right. if if that's what it is. And so maybe that's why the finale Game of Thrones didn't hit as good because it was just not shown for what it really is. It, they didn't speak plainly. Right. I was just about to say. <laughs> Yo! <laughs> Thanks for the entire French press of coffee. Me, past right. me. Do you know what I'm saying, though? So it's like, you say you don't like that, and I agree, that's probably not the best way to do it. Yeah, um, it doesn't mean it's wrong, it's just my does, own personal opinion. I, and you can like it or not like it, but it also, like, it could make sense. You, of course, have to describe how they have that power to do that, and maybe we'll get that, maybe we won't, but it just, you know, the implanting of these thoughts over someone who can travel through space and time at all time to see little shadows of what they did in, like, half an hour appear mm-hmm. throughout all of history is right that that gives me good feels i'm like ooh, sure that's that's the stuff in stories i like i'm like ooh, that's creepy that's weird i just hope it's not being used to the point of nobody has the ability to act on those things themselves like the whole reason why westeros was conquered was both a combination of uh when we talked about this, when the prophecy was first, when they first, like episode one, I would prefer if like Westeros was conquered in a combination of own personal political desire and self-motivated fulfillment of some sort of dream. And then also mixed in with this divine or prophecy vibe that it's all, it's all of the above. And it's not just a robotic, like, I must follow the dream that right. I had. I don't think it's that. I think it's it's their ego and it's that stuff that you described plus the idea that this stuff might be true because I'm getting such vivid symbolism yeah. delivered to me in my dreams. This might be true. But also like I wish it would happen to me <laughs> because it would make my right. life more um like a story or more magical. And so maybe they don't really like they're not bothering random people just to see what happens. Like they're trying to influence the realm through and I say they because I think Brand might take over at some point. Um, trying to influence the realm uh, through influential characters and ones that they know that they can influence in certain ways. Hmm. Maybe hmm. I don't know, but it, it, it's a cool way to include that ability into the story and to also, like I said, make it more plain instead of just being about like fate and and fairy dust. And God, you know what I mean? Like, right. then who is it telling Blood Raven what to do? He's well, just it, that's some the, guy. It, that's who the has thing. It, then it goes back to the ego. It's yeah. like his own ego and all the other stuff you said, his personal desires. Uh, Blood Raven, Brendan Rivers had a really interesting life, and he is a Targaryen, and he has a mm-hmm. lot of interest in Targaryens. And I don't know, like, what would you do if you had that kind of power and maybe you even got yourself trapped in that situation and you learn about the scale of what other powers are brewing on the planet that you're on and maybe you want to save everyone or maybe you just want to come out ahead the best way that's possible for yourself that you know about it. There's all those Mm -hmm. different things that play into what that person might do. And the fact that it's a real person behind it, like I said, is more plain seeming. The only thing I um, want to know more about is how it all works. If we're going to be so plain with everything else, I want to know how it all works. Yeah. S- Stephen King never describes how he has a multiverse, but he does describe like, uh, at least like if there's a portal or something, he'll describe what the portal looks like. Like it looks like this. And so it's kind of like getting a king and his relationship described with his daughter. You, you, you had it described and now you're imagining how it fits into the universe. 
you're like putting all your own details into it. So at least show us that thing like you did with the fire ladder in Dorne. Like we mm-hmm. literally saw a, a fire ladder and then Quaith is like, no, that's real. So there's apparently some kind of real magic happening in this fantasy story. But he, you know, hasn't gotten to the point yet where he's made it obvious how it's actually working or who's doing any of it. And Meanwhile, it we're getting teased by this show yeah, and getting shown, like I said, that he put the inscription on the dagger after. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, okay. So he, you know, especially with the last pyromancer, who's going to be able to even say how this was done in 50 years? This literally is going to show the fact that they are magical. All right, they have it, to do it, is put it into the fire. And it's like, it's like look, a, this is magic. It's like, it's like Wizard of Oz. Exactly. Kind of, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what it makes me think about. He yeah. gets there and it's just some little short guy <laughs> behind a curtain. Right. And if you were in the, if you came from the green room going into the throne room scene with Damon, then you would be less chatty and whoa, mystified. And that's why I like seeing them walk in. I couldn't describe mm-hmm. it that well earlier, but that's why I like seeing them walk in because that's who they are. And then when we're on the dais with, uh, or on the throne with uh, Viserys, the perspective that we get when he looks at Otto and they share that look is from his leveled perspective. So it's like we see it as they are human beings too. So it's less magical. It's they're the guy, they're Oz behind the curtain coming out to do the pageantry too. But then we also get to see Rhaenyra in the crowd, kind of giving some knowing looks about stuff too, in the midst of everything that's going on. And so she's an outsider in that pomp and circumstance a little bit in that situation, but she's still like keyed in. So we also get her looks too, not just Otto and Viserys's. Yeah. And Damon's looks at her. Right, like, exactly. You know She's actually, she could be, I think he was thinking she could be a queen. I'm so pleasantly surprised that we are getting this deep of lore and prophecy without it seeming to be cliche. Like I said, that, that I agree, that dagger being written on afterward was just making fun of itself. Right. It was great. It was great. In the trailer, it looked cliche. So cliche. I I was scared to death of it. Me too, because it's like, okay, so now we have this dagger that we're supposed to recognize. And Alicent, this like, okay, like cool, but they've completely handled it in such a subtle and interesting way that bolsters what we should have seen in season eight. And so I'm really pleased with that. Yeah, I mean, I'm also not pleased, though, because I wish the inscription was put on before Aegon had the dream. Mm-mm. And then he has the dream, and then he's like, oh, my God, it's written on the dream. But then they would be like, well, the dagger right. made me dream that. Yeah, right, that doesn't right, work right, either. Right. You don't want that, though. I like the I like that he wrote it on after. He's like, I'm going to make this important. This yeah, matters to me. No, that is cool. But just to me, it's so much more mysterious if this is like a, a prophecy that came from some dark sure deep dark history in sure. valyria they discovered this they're like oh my god and so like the white walkers were really like ultimately coming for them and it was set in stone and set in motion a long time ago and then the white walkers come and they're like wait you guys blew yourself up so they're just killing hot pies the whole time they're like we don't even right. have a big fire bad guy to go against or i wonder if it's almost like a voldemort situation where he willed it into existence <sighs> simply because he made a choice to believe it kind of thing <sighs> <laughs> I don't know. Ooh. Anyway, so not bad to feel disengaged with it four episodes in. Right on. I'm psyched 
every week. <laughs> I can't wait for a Sunday. It feels good. <laughs> I was well, as I was rewatching the episode today. I think we um we can transition to Owens while I'm saying this, but I was rewatching the episode today, listening to the theme song, and I was like. It was hitting a little for me. I was like, man, I can't believe I'm doing Game of Thrones right now. <laughs> <laughs> so now we are going to read your owns. We did our owns on the episode earlier in the week, and I messed up. I should have picked a different thing than I did. I don't even remember what either of us gave our owns to. Last I just want to give my own Sunday. to the Blackwood kid killing the Bracken older oh, guy. Oh, yeah. That was cool. Dude, it just broke into chaos. See those swords, you twats. Like someone's going to die right now. And just stands up and leaves. Rainier doesn't even Time to go. <laughs> give it a second. She just, she's like, I'm out. <laughs> Dude, she ate, freak out. she ate the uh, lemons off the top of the lemon cakes. Uh-huh. Oh my god! I know that it's like your party or whatever, like your family's throwing it. But what a what a stinky <laughs> vibe! <laughs> See, I had the, the opposite thought. What was that? I was like, man, that looks good. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the best way to. Eat. Everyone knows that. But at least right. like throw the other cake away. But I guess that's wasting. So what's really worse? Just eat the whole cake. She will right. eventually. She'll be in a lot of those whole cakes. <laughs> no one else is eating them, you know. Oh right, I know. Lol, dude. Wait. Remember. Remember at our uh, finale party, someone ate all the tops of our lemon cakes off? Wait, no. Yeah, that happened. We had lemon no cakes. No way. Yeah. Somebody someone... ate the tops? <laughs> yeah, like what eight. What if it was me? Of like eight lemon it cakes. Wasn't. I bet it was you, actually. Because no I think way. I remember you standing back by that lemon cake table. I don't like, remember. I remember nothing from that finale party. So maybe. Well, it was back toward the end, like toward the window. Mm. And uh yeah, someone ate the lemon cake top exact in exactly Drama? the same way. In no exactly way. the same way. Yeah, I thought that was like way too harmonious with with the past. Any anyway, okay. So we're gonna read your owns. Like I said, we already read our owns, and I can't remember what yours was, but I I gotta sure, change the rules. opening scene that we never talk about enough. Let's start first with Instagram. Sorry, I got so distracted by your background on Skype, <laughs> <laughs> and I wish everybody could see what it looks like because it's like. We're talking about lore yes. and magic, and Zach's background on his <laughs> Skype is all these weird thingamabobs like glass that make him look like he's gyms. sitting in Dumbledore's office. There's like prisms hanging with the light yeah. refracting off of it. <laughs> it really is messing with me right now. This, so anyway. It's not moving, <laughs> That was my though. mode of distraction. If this was moving, if they were swaying in the wind or by some magical off-world source. I would have turned off. Yeah, I would have <laughs> turned your video off. <laughs> all right. We're anyway, going to read your owns. Time for owns. Here are your we'll start owns. first with the Instagram. Hannah's got it. First, we got Riles the Lion, who says, Own to Lady Misery for being unofficial master of whispers, and own to the cinematographers and directors for managing to make Rhaenyra love scenes uncomfy. Mrs. Duncan the Tall, own to the Blackwood Noodle, you go boy. And own to Allison for sticking her neck out for her girly. And owned you have four owns. And own to Viserys for Plan BT. And own to Rhaenyra for showing us how to properly take off a Kingsguard armor during sexy time. <laughs> yeah, you gotta wait process. till the right moment to do the neck one. <laughs> right. The neck one's that's like, ooh, my neck's out. Mark's Kaylee also um, owned to the show for giving us the ambiguity of the book in a realistic and interesting way, and also owned to the show for making Allison a likable and sympathetic character. East Coast Chase, Damon getting Rhaenyra going just to dip <laughs> that was so messed up rotten cherry 17 my own goes to allison for laying under viserys with his many open Aye. wounds 
Scissor Me Xerxes owned to Lil Willem Blackwood for handling his business. Emily and the Goose owned to the boy from House Blackwood for slaying the bully from House Bracken. Sarah Connolly Bach owned to Millie Alcock for acting lying convincingly convincingly has my brain going in circles. Katie Smithson Weil owned to Magor's secret passageways. Hashtag girls just want to have fun. Shana Left owned to Viserys for owning SCOTUS. What abortion laws? D Log Z13 owned to Damon laying on the floor of the throne room so awkwardly. I mean, <laughs> dot 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 IDK. I liked it. Cirque Elise 3, <laughs> owned to the jewelry design emphasized in this episode. Sabrina to Eben, you are my political problem. Mrs. Duncan the Tall again <laughs> with a shush face. Last one, owned to Viserys for that nod to our best girl, Sarah. May Jernigan, owned to Rainier for having a little fun, okay? And then we got some other DM'd owns from May that I'm going to read right now, too. It says... Owned to Benjica Blackwood. Owned to Rainier for finally having some fun. Livy Linetti. Rainier for getting that hot D. Yeah. Titular. That's titular. Lord Commander Tom Snow. Tweenage Blackwood for sticking it to his heckler. Celadilin. Owned to Rainier for taking that hot D after Uncle D's dip. A lot of D. The Green Life. Owns to this effing episode. All of it. I'm straight shook. Backlists and booze. The man getting CPR in the streets of King's Landing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and last <Yeah>. from Instagram. <laughs> Don't say hard, Juku. Owned to the Targaryen's interior decorator for their subtle Karma Sutra themed tapestry. Cillian Murphy is Blood Raven. Gotta give it to the little Blackwood for sending that shit talking bracken to the old gods. <laughs> Ash at Fox and Brandles owned to Rainier for finally showing her fire to her father and cleaning out her house of one rat. The McRiblet. The Brackens don't worship the old gods, so that douchebag got sent straight to hell. Yikes. Vanya at Shop Girl owned to White Worm for getting back at Damon. Bex. Owned to Rhaenyra for doing nothing wrong but preserving her privacy. It was none of Allison's damn business who she was fucking. She's no one to talk. At Missy's Castle DR1, owned the cold throne room floor for supporting Damon in his time of need. Hashtag we've all been there. Hashtag don't spill the hangover drink. Icebird's the word. Owned the baker in the Red Keep. Rhaenyra couldn't ride a dragon, so she's going to need some cake. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle Sorry. R. Owned to Samuel Blackwood for showing Rhaenyra just how awesome his family is at taking down a bracken at the same time. Hopefully we eventually get to see Benjica and Black Alley. At Democracy Diva, owned to who I presume is bloody Ben Blackwood, casually murdering a mouthy bracken in the background of a scene. Nom de Plume, fake manured plum, owned to the Red Keep's bad rat catcher. Yeah, I know. At MC Moon T, owned to King Viserys for having the guts to finally dismiss that tool Otto Hightower. <laughs> John Mack, first owned of this whole dang episode and the cold showers that may likely need it afterwards. Second to Viserys for finally buying a clue about Otto. Damage has been done, but glad it happened. And last to House Blackwood for showing up. Surely we'd all vomit after our first kill. At Bookish Eye, owned to Sass Queen Rhaenyra on her tender chair. Also for keeping a deadpan expression when getting grilled by her dad. I can never get anything past my parents when I was a teen. Nina at Brown Ball. I was a bit afraid that this episode is going to be cringy, so owned to the writing and directing for making it respectful and exciting while setting up so many future developments. At Blue Fleur, owned whoever's responsible for weaving in all the foreshadowing. My favorite this episode was the shot of the rat as Rhaenyra exited through the secret passages. Mm. Most everyone's mad here. Owned to Allison and Damon for explaining to Rhaenyra her privilege in getting to make some of her own choices and then owned to Rhaenyra for getting out of there and making some 
to set this whole thing in motion. Hashtag life lessons, hashtag double standard. Owen DeViseris calling hashtag team chaotic. And Renera got her moon tea. But where are the Macers with that Westerosi little blue pill so Damon can get over his performance <laughs> issues? I'll face a whole army, but a woman who isn't afraid of me makes me floppy. Hashtag only one good sword. Hashtag dark sister. The, the uh, Valerians would be supplanted as the richest house in all of Westeros. Whatever person <laughs> invents that tea in Westeros. Celux <laughs> Amdia. Oh, uh, my own goes to Rhaenyra is not so speedy speed dating at Storm's End and the Blackwood versus Bracken fight. Did anyone feel bad the Bracken dude died? I'm going to answer you, uh, Sela. I don't think anyone in the fandom did. That's for sure. Would love, would have loved to have seen Benjikot Blackwood wear a, f- a f- would love to see Benjikot Blackwood wear a raven feather cloak. Maybe in a few years. Second own because I must to the blind woman asking Rhaenyra, "Do you wish to know your death, child?" We're leaving out some of the stuff for spoilers. At Abinara, own to Beric Dondarrion for opening the episode with the architectural digest description of his castle any maiden would love my crib hashtag Rhaenyra's tour hashtag deep dry moat and hashtag situated most pleasingly and own to King Viserys for being progressive enough to make sure his teenage daughter has access to plan B hashtag unwanted consequences hashtag girl dad at Nick at night 117 own to hangover Damon making zero attempt to get off the floor while his older brother lectures him hashtag relatable Lauren at LMG 9410 own to Rhaenyra for Jasmine like vibes. I was waiting for a flying carpet scene. Sookie 13 owned a Damon being back in his brother's good graces for like five minutes. <laughs> Isn't that how it always goes? At Hugo Cast, owned to Grand Maester Melos for ins- or instacarting some organic free range plan B for the princess. That's probably the only place in Westeros that has Instacart. No, it's it's they Kings. Got Go Puff? They they got Go Puff and Landisport. They got Low Puff and Go Puff and King's Landing. But they don't got it in it. Anaheim. No. No, they don't. Old Town 2, maybe. <laughs> At Aiden Evans, 2002, owned to executing his self-destructive goals flawlessly. Oh, and also owned to the dagger literally being as old as Valyria. It makes it 1,000 times cooler. Christine Michelle, owned to the Blackwood Boy for earning the Lady Liana Mormont Legacy Award for being the baddest 10-year-old in the realm. I have no choice but to stand. Harp player in Aegon's Song of Ice and Fire at Aemon White Wolf, right? Surprisingly, owned to Otto? Despite hating Damon, he really seemed like he didn't want to tell Viserys, and it was hard to say out loud. The showrunner said he actually loves Viserys and wishes anyone else could break the news. Add a new lair to him for me. Ooh, they said he loves Viserys. Hmm, good guy. At Joey Perns, everybody loves Raymond, but it's Ray, Nera, Raymond. Get it? Tish by owns to Andy that Andy Warhol wig Damon was wearing as he got the shit kicked on the floor of the throne room. Hashtag wig watch. <laughs> Connor Targaryen owned to myself for thankfully deciding not to watch this episode mm. with anyone else. At Cluck's house, morning after tea. Who knew? At Intermediante Luz, owned to Damon for passing Rhaenyra the Marauder's Map. LMG nine four one zero again owned to Damon for calling the throne a chair. I'll just see a chair. <laughs> At Lady of Driftmark, owns to Corliss Valerian for smartly coming home after his victory. At Shane Lisa, owned to my boy Bloody Ben. What an introduction. Oh shit, it was Samuel Blackwood, I think. Still an own to winning that duel. At Unholy Kev, owned to the Plan BT. Gloss Reviews, own is to Ryan Condal who said, fuck it, let's go with all the fire and blood Rhaenyra accusations. <laughs> Second own to the Maester Theory, as given that ending seems to be brewing to fruition. That's right, I mean, they did see Harbin on the way back, mm-hmm. so... 
What did happen? The tattered princess owned to Rhaenyra for a night on the town. Darren Soward's Azora High Five, owner of the Blackwoods. Bitch got Blackwood in the house. Daryl at Black Madness 317 says, Owen to Ryan Condal for giving us this green propaganda. Darren Sowards, owner to Kristen Cole for doing his duty and providing the princess with his sword services. At TJ Hambly, owned to Damon and his entrance. Add it to the chair. Mic drop. Stephanie Breitbach, owned to Rainier and Kristen for keeping the mood while removing a thousand pounds of armor. Must have taken an hour. <laughs> At the Dove Stark, owned a Viserys for finally seeing Otto's true colors. Straight Savage Cole, my own goes to how long Sir Kristen Cole lasted because it was a lot longer than at Straight Savage Cole would have. <laughs> crying emoji, shrugging emoji, face palm emoji, <laughs> laughing crying emoji. Also, <laughs> secondary owned to Magor Seeker Passages, the Werewood Tree, Balerian Skull, and to Flea Bottom looking like Bourbon Street during Mardi Gras. A party emoji. Also wanted to point out how extremely awesome it is to see David J. Peterson get so much screen time with his transcribing of Hive Lear and especially between Rhaenyra and Damon by the Werewood Tree. Amen to that. Legendary owns by the straight savage Cole, the legend himself. At Danny Gone Bad, owned to Rhaenyra for making every woman in the realm jealous. Sexual jazz at Ghost Chase Killer, owned to House Blackwood. <laughs> Fuck them Brackens. At Little Wolfbird, owned to the director for actively choosing her shots to reflect a woman's perspective on sex and sex scenes. It's powerful to hear and see a woman making progress on such a topic. My own goes to, this is from White's King, the Night King. My own goes to Viserys, who now sees what a piece of shit Otto is. At Micah of Clark, owned to whoever remembered to include the Tullys at the beginning scene. At the Critiki, or Critiki, own or Critique, owned to Rhaenyra for embracing her desires and acting as it pleased her. At Karstark92 with a C. Owned to Allison's whole Queen of Hearts outfit slash vibe. Her and Rhaenyra realizing that they're having to sleep with other people, but Rhaenyra promising she didn't was heartbreaking. At Kirsten Bowers, owned to the close-up shots of the cat's paw dagger. At Drogo the Call, owned to Rhaenyra, finally embracing the blood of the dragon. At Clint wrote this, owned to Mushroom and his testimony. Without it, we won't have this episode. At Just Reds, owned to Dark Viserys. At The Lady Shelley, owned to the showrunners for respecting Millie and keeping Kristen, her scene with Kristen respectful. At Maester Mary, owned to Rhaenyra for telling Viserys to fire Otto. At Asawaf Quotes, GOT, owned to Ramin Javadi for his best work of the season. Yeah, the music in this Could episode not agree slapped. More. It was slapped. so good. The song when she was leaving the passageway to go meet. I remembered it. Like, mm -hmm. I... It felt like I just saw the show and I hadn't I seen know. it for a few days. It's like yeah. I remembered that song. It was really good. At Elizabeth Bird, owned to the Maester for brewing that special tea for unintended consequences in the middle of the night. And finally, at Beauty Brienne, one of our longest consecutive owners of all time, says, owned to Damon's Royce wife for quickly becoming the Maris Crane of this franchise. Hashtag often discussed. <laughs> hashtag never seen. Thanks, everybody, for sending in your owns. If you want to send in yours, whether they're for episode four or for Sunday night's episode, you can find us on Instagram or on Twitter by searching for Game of Owns, or you can send us an email to contact at gameofowns.com. We're also on Facebook. If your mom likes the podcast, remind her that we are also <laughs> on Facebook because some moms do listen to us and like our posts there. <laughs> <laughs> okay and our next episode sunday night is called we light the way the hannah's favorite title so far i don't know what it is about that title that just grinds my gears i'm excited though i was like what's the name of the next episode she goes uh 
it's here, but I don't think it's the real name. Well, I literally thought it was not the real name when we were recording on Sunday because I was like, this is such a stupid episode title. Listen, after I watch the episode, I'm going to be so hype on it. So I don't want to keep bashing Literally, you're going to get a We because, Like The Way t-shirt. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> <laughs> we're just going to stop <laughs> the bashing of it right here, right now. So See you all on Sunday night. We'll be on Twitter asking for owns and watching together. So look out for the podcast. We get that episode out as soon as we can. After we finish watching, a hot wedding. Okay. See you Sunday. Bye, guys.